Hi guys, and welcome back to Motor Up Sports, and welcome back, Harvey the Fourth. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, Harvey the Fourth. Good to see you again. We have a little bit of Lions talk to get get the day started off with. If you've been on Twitter, if you've been on Instagram, if you've been on TikTok, you've seen the news today. Everybody's saying Lamar Jackson to Detroit because he demanded trade. The day is calm. Lamar Jackson's on the market. And that's the last thing I want the Lions to do. And I think, like, the biggest reason why they're not going to do it, and, I mean, Campbell pretty much already said they're not doing it. He said, we're confident Goff, Goff can lead us to the playoffs. So, obviously, Campbell has his faith in Goff. It's just this fan base for some reason doesn't. Uh, I think that you look at Lamar Jackson in the postseason, three touchdowns to five picks. I mean, at least Goff has gone to the Super Bowl. At least he's been there. Lamar Jackson is going to eat pretty much your entire cap. And I don't think the Lions are even even have a slight, of, slight bit of interest in doing that. Because when you look at the deals they've been giving out, it's been two or three-year deals. It's not a five-year mega contract that's going to leave us financially strapped for the next five years. They're setting up this offseason to probably enter next offseason with more money, I think. And I think they're going to save most of that 20 mil for either draft night or the offseason next year. But Lamar Jackson should be the least of our concerns in Detroit right now. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I, I think you covered the two big points. First one is um, is the salary cap room. I mean, obviously in the NFL, you don't sign in Lamar to a five-year mega deal. It, you used it perfectly. It straps you down. Um, again, a, a proven guy in the regular season. He's a great quarterback. He's a top six or seven quarterback in the NFL, but I don't think you necessarily need that to win, especially when you look at Detroit. I think the playmakers can kind of make up for what people will say Goff doesn't have that Lamar does. And at the same time, I think for the Lions to be super successful this year, everyone knows it's going to come down to the run game in the offensive line. So I think that's going to be that's going to be more important. And also, you know, I'm I'm kind of from the same area as Jared Goff, so I might be a little bit of a, of a more Goff guy than other people. But again, Goff has played in a Super Bowl. I mean, he was a number one overall pick. He showed last year he has the capability to continue to do what he wants um, at the highest level. And I don't know. I think I think it would be real. I, I guess it would be cool for some to think that Lamar, you know, could possibly come to Detroit. But I just I, I don't think the salary cap room is worth it for what you're going to trade off in terms of risk and reward for getting back off. So my question for you is, going forward, you know Goff's going to command over $40 million. It pretty much would be a guarantee. Looking at the, the QB market right now, it's if he has a year like last year, 40, maybe more than 50 if he plays the same way he did last year and wins the division for us. So personally, I'm not willing to pay that to him. I would rather at that point than pay Lamar Jackson. But I think we should look at the quarterback direction in the draft. And when you look historically at drafts, quarterbacks that are picked later than the first round, outside of a few, and the few you can name are Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, and Russell Wilson. And I, I mean, you can throw Kirk Cousins in there as well, but there's a very short list of quarterbacks outside of the first round that have proven to be stars in the NFL. So my question for you is, are you willing to 
either move up to three and get a quarterback, guarantee yourself a top quarterback. Do you go with a quarterback at six or 18? Do you go in the second round, maybe go with a guy like Hendon Hooker or go late with a guy like Stetson Bennett? And now Stetson wouldn't be obviously your guy that's going to be your quarterback moving forward. But do you look in the direction of maybe going Hendon Hooker or maybe making him a starter at some point down the road? Or do you wait until next year and draft the quarterback? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I would say I'm still not on the trade up or trade out of the sixth position. I like I like the talent on the board that's going to be there regardless of who goes ahead. That's assuming, obviously, Stroud, Young, 1-2, whatever order, and potentially even Levis and Richardson going before that, too. Levis probably for sure. Um, and at 18, you know, I think, unfortunately, I think all four of those guys will be gone by right. that point. So I think that obviously – kind of stinks but I'm kind of in the uh, I'm gonna throw out a name and I and I'm not gonna say this is gonna be like technically a guy of the future but I'm okay with you know a, maybe a third round Tanner McKee pick um, late second third round Tanner McKee pick the the man from Stanford um, I mean he shows NFL promise he's got a good body he has a rocket of arm he can throw the ball deep um, but again I think I trust that and then even maybe going quarterback again next year at some point rather than let's just throw the billboard at Lamar Jackson so I I don't like being I I I like having options and I think again paying Lamar straight up right now or even whenever he would need his contract by the end of next season I think that just ties you down too much and and that's you you said perfectly it ties you down but I I I don't hate the idea of Tanner McKee, but then again, like I've said, you know, it's a short list of quarterbacks outside of the first round that become relatively good NFL quarterbacks or Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. How many teams walk out of a rebuild with a brand new quarterback? It seems like most teams start a rebuild with a quarterback. So I find it really interesting and and I think smart the way they've built this up here because we've seen what's happened when they've thrown rookies out there that, that aren't ready for that, that shouldn't be your number one pick where you should be more focused on the O-line where you should have been more focused on building up your D-line and you throw a quarterback out there with no receivers and no O-line and the next thing you know he's a bust so I find I really like the way they kind of built it up from we're going to just have a bridge quarterback guy and maybe if the guy wins us a playoff game or gets us to the NFC championship you can think about extending him uh-huh. but the the reality is is I think everybody in that building and every fan knows that he's not worth the quarterback money he's going to ask for. So you're obviously, you know, at at crossroads with them. And I find it interesting that they found a way to build it the opposite direction than most teams do. Yeah, that is interesting. And I think um, the the other thing with golf though, too, is I think, you know, obviously they're theoretically, they're going to have to pay him, but I don't know. I think he would be a lot more willing than a guy like Lamar. I mean, he's now here. He's, part of this rebuild he's he had a great season last year it seems like him and Dan Campbell have a great relationship um him and Ben Johnson have a great relationship from what I've heard so the offensive line's great I mean he knows that the offensive line's going to protect him you're not going to get a better offensive line than Detroit other than maybe in Cleveland or a few of these other teams but again I think the, uh, the the odds of him maybe even asking for a little bit more guaranteed money are a lot more higher than, as we keep saying, strapping down from getting completely strapped down from the Lamar choice. So there is um, a list. I'm curious if you know the answer to this. 
Three quarterbacks in the last 20 years have won a Super Bowl, eating up more than 12% of your cap. Do you know who the three quarterbacks are? Three quarterbacks eating up more than 12% of your cap. I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. False. That was rookie Aaron Rodgers' contract. Oh, that's a good point. Um, dang. They're all pretty obvious names. 2006 Peyton Manning. Yup. The heat that was Broncos is where he won it with all the money. Okay, you're right. He won it in Denver. Yeah, because no, I was thinking that's why I said 2006 Peyton Manning. Like, I don't think he was paid. I don't know the other two. Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes. You're okay. gonna probably have to give Goff more than 12% of the salary cap, and he's not even close to those names. And I yeah. wouldn't even put him in the same sentence as Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. So that that's just that pretty name. much where I'm like, if you're trying to build a championship culture here and not uh NFC championship bust team, that I'm looking at going in the the route of maybe this draft potentially, because it seems like they kind of filled everything they've needed to. And if Will Anderson's off the board, yeah, another edge rusher would be great off Tyree Wilson or maybe even roll the dice on a guy like Jalen Carter, which I, I'm severely against. The more I the more I kind of read into this, the more I'm against it. But if he's there at 18, I'm running to the podium and drafting him there. <laughs> yeah, but, totally. But I think like where we're at right now, I think you kind of have to move up to three. You you kind of have to do it. But then again, it's just like, is it worth it though? Is it yeah. worth it? Because yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. But the, the other question is, too, is, and this is something that I've been reading about. So, um, obviously, you talk about Stroud and Young, one, two, and then Anderson either at three or four, um, and then Levis and Richardson, apparently. But Seattle just signed Geno back to a huge contract. They're, I'm I'm looking at the draft board and thinking it's not as slim of a chance as people think for Levis or Richardson, more likely Richardson to fall to that sixth spot. What do you think about that? I'm all for quarterback. I, you know, it's, it's just like, it's like if you're never going to draft this high again is where in the back of my head, the more I'm thinking about getting a quarterback in 24, the more I think about, well, you're in a perfect position to get your next great quarterback. Like you're Aaron Rodgers of the world or replacing your Brett Favre. Like you're in a situation you're, or you're Tom Brady or replace your Drew Bledsoe type situation where yeah. it's like, you're literally never going to be this high again. Like next year, you're probably drafting in the late twenties or early twenties. And the reality is next year, the quarterbacks are all going to be gone. Yours will be gone. McCarthy will probably be gone. If he has a big year, you know, Williams is probably the number one pick. Uh, May is going to be gone. You know, all the top guys next year will be gone right in the, by the twenties. So the more you think about it, it's just like, you're never going to be here again. You you've kind of set it up in a way this off season. I think they're setting up for a quarterback. I really do. They've kind of set this up where we all know you can get a receiver anywhere in the draft and you can get, like we've seen St. Brown effective receiver in the fourth round. You can find an effective receiver anywhere in the draft. You filled your secondary completely, and there's no linebacker worth drafting at number six. So it's just like I feel like they're setting up for the quarterback there. 
and I feel like there's going to be some movement to probably get one. Just the more it's it's going in the back of my head, it's like it's going to happen. Yeah, I, um, I, I honestly, I would agree with you because, again, I'd say at six, it was either the defensive line, but Jalen Carter's a huge question mark. Will Anderson, who obviously in the slim shot of Jesus's workings is not going to be there. And then, and then quarterback. I mean, that's the next, that's the next thing. Those are the three big position groups that I look at, but I, I agree with you. Um, I think at six, but I think again, at six, I don't know. I don't think necessarily they have to trade up. I would be very surprised if all four of those quarterbacks went in the top five. I don't know. Maybe Pete Carroll's boiling something up and they just gave Geno Smith guaranteed money to give him guaranteed money to lock it up just in case Richardson isn't what they all thought. But I don't know. Something keeps telling me just to stay at six and hold out and that one of those two guys, Levis or Richardson, is going to fall to you. I'm going to disagree with you. I think somebody's moving up to three with Arizona to get a quarterback, which means then your four are gone in the top four picks. That's my, that's what I think is going to happen. Arizona is going to move down and your four picks are there. Anderson falls into the laps of Seattle and they desperately need a guy like that on their defense. So they just got their piece. And then, you know, Detroit just got screwed off of, you know, one extra Rams BS when they didn't need. So we just got basically screwed out Will Anderson, which I want Will Anderson, but at the same time, it's just like you're never getting a quarterback like this this high again, and this is where you have to do it. And if you choose to not do it this year, you have to do it next year, and I think you have to move up next year because, I mean, if you want to be a dynasty in this, if you want to be good in this league, you keep Jared Goff as your quarterback to win maybe one if you get lucky one Super Bowl, right? Yeah, Goff will get you one. I, not saying, you know, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. I'm not putting that tag on them right now. Like, oh, they're going to win me five Super Bowls. But I like my chances more with a top five quarterback than I do with Goff for the next 10 years. Yeah, I agree. So you you really um, – you think Arizona is going to trade down is what you said is – but you think the plausible option is? Yeah, I mean, they could. But again, also, you look at them, maybe, I don't know, Will Anderson at three there, they might just be licking their chops, thinking, oh, my gosh, like, that should be a number one pick, and we know Carolina or Houston. But again, you never know. They they definitely could trade down. That's why it's going to be interesting. I just don't know. So then what? do you tra- Does Detroit trade up with Indy then? Is that what? Because Indy needs a quarterback more than Detroit does. See, that, that's where I think Detroit's movement's going to be, to three. And they're going to guarantee themselves the choice of Richardson or Lapis. Okay. Yeah, then that. I, I prefer the route of Will Anderson, but I, yeah, can, so live with, I can live with them. But the more reasonable, I think, thing they're setting themselves up for is the quarterback, knowing that it's top five pick. I mean, I, you have a much better chance of hitting on a top five pick than hitting on a quarterback at 25. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. So that's where I kind of stand at this point. The, it's just because of the way they've set up the offseason. Had they gone out there, did nothing to that secondary, I'd say go, you stick at six, you go Christian Gonzalez. Uh-huh. And, and, and I'm not even having the discussion of a quarterback, but he just went out there, crushed the offseason, left a t- another 20 mil to play with, which I think they're going to spend on a receiver on draft night. I think they're going to find a receiver uh, during draft night, and I think they're going to find a linebacker in the second round that can play pretty much right away. Like a guy like Jack Campbell 
And then at 18, I mean, you're looking at, I think if you're moving up from six with, with Arizona, you're giving up 18 at that mm-hmm. point, I would assume yeah. six, 18 and move up to three. So you lose your 18 pick, but if you can realistically get a linebacker and trade for a receiver on draft night, I think you really have just set up this team perfectly for the future. Yeah, I agree. But no, yeah, to trade up with Arizona at three, we'll have to be six and 18 for sure. So I, I want to move into the last segment of the day, Michigan State basketball. And as disappointing as that game was, and now looking at the rest of the field, it's like, Jesus Christ, if we just won that game, we would have won it all. But it's just, it hurts. But my dad gave me a great reminder. He said, remember what your expectations were coming into the season. And if you fought, you didn't know me then, so you probably didn't follow the podcast then. But all I said was, if you get in the March, you're lucky this year. With nine guys, no bench, no depth. And honestly, this season is the epitome of Izzo and how damn good of a coach he is. Because you couldn't, you you would give any other coach in this nation this roster, I feel like, this year. And it's worse than what Jawan did at Michigan this year. He got the most out of every one of those players. And I, I am proud of them for the way they fought. Like, I am not pissed off because they left everything on that court. A lot of lucky shots by Kansas State. Mr. New York City had to play the game of the century there, but yeah, we're no, totally. I agree. I mean, again, like you said, going into the year, I mean, even though we were, even though we were probably predicted to finish fourth or fifth in the Big Ten this year, that was also because the Big Ten was supposed to be down this year. And hey, guess what? We proved it again. We didn't get a single team into the Elite Eight. We were the only team in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, typical. Purdue, we all knew that was going to happen. We knew Mike Woodson in Indiana wouldn't win a big game. That was obvious. Illinois, Brad Underwood, sorry, fraud. I mean, you knew they were never going to beat Arkansas. It's just, it's typical Big Ten. But like you said, it's the epitome of Izzo. I mean, we were, we were a couple, I mean, that game, that's just, a, that's basketball, that we were a couple made or missed shots away from, from switching the outcome of that game. I mean, you look at their game against FAU, I mean, FAU turned the ball over 22 times and won the game. I mean, K-State had obvious, obvious problems, honestly, all over the floor. Just against us, against us you got to give it, them credit. It was their night. They were hitting everything. So, I mean, it stinks, but, you know, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited, too. I think that next year is going to be a year, but – I was just talking to one of my buddies about this, and you will, you and everybody else will 100% agree with this take. What hurts about this year so much is think about next year for a second. Let's just hypothetically say one injury goes down on this team, and it goes down to Walker, Holgard, Booker, any of the three, Akins, any of your big four players get injured next year. I mean, that's the difference of a national championship run and a first round exit. Nothing's guaranteed next year. You were healthy this year. You got in the March with all nine of your players healthy. That was a miracle. Yeah. That was a miracle. I, I said if they got in the March with their with their nine guys, they have a chance to do something. And they they showed they did. But I said, God forbid they didn't, they are getting plowed in the first round with eight or seven players. And he it was a miracle he walked in the march with with a with a group that felt injured most of the year. Yeah. All of them are intact then. And that's really what it is. If they get hurt, they're done. 
and and that's the difference of um I mean this year and next year. It's just I wish they got it done this year. So we at least have the hangover going in the next year where we're a little bit nicer to these players if they don't get us it next year. You know what I mean? No, totally. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely understand what you're saying. I think it's also it's going to be interesting. I mean, I know everyone, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you've probably seen it because you're you're a big Spartan guy on Twitter and everything. But, you know, Joey Hauser made the Instagram post. Obviously, we knew he was probably going to go. I mean, this year he shot 47% from three. This year alone is going to get him a look in the NBA. Um, but on that post, Tyson Walker, I'm sure you I'm, I'm sure you probably saw this. He commented, who's going to sit next to me on the plane now? Which obviously, you know, would imply that he's going to come back. Um, but I think Michigan State fans need to be a little bit weary about the idea of Walker and Hall coming back. You know, you'd love it. You love it on paper. I mean, I'm not going to say I won't take those guys back, but you also got to think just about the future of the program. I mean, what that does. Let's say hypothetically one of them comes back or both of them. Like, let's say Walker comes back. I mean, you got to think a guy like Trey Holloman probably transfers. I mean, Jeremy Fears is coming in. He's a five-star point guard that could be ready for the NBA after one year, to be honest with you. Where does that leave a guy like Holloman? Um, Hall comes back. That immediately takes minutes away from both Cohen Carr and Malik Hall. And, you know, it's just there. I think it would be awesome to have those guys back. Don't get me wrong. I mean, especially Tyson. Tyson comes back. He's the preseason Big Ten player of the year. I don't see how anybody would disagree with that. Um, even if Hunter, even if, unless Zach Eady comes back, which he probably will, I guess. So that's the one I'll say over Walker. But I think obviously it would be cool, like I said, to have those guys back, but there are more cons to that situation than people are thinking about. There's a lot of pros, but I mean, I have, I have a list right here of all the guys excluding Walker and Hall. And that's just to say, let's say Pierre Brooks stays we already have 11 guys next year. I don't think Brooks is going to stay most likely, but you look at it here, no Hall Walker. We already have 11 guys that are going to play six from this year and then or seven from this year and the four coming in. It's like, before you know it, a guy like Garrick Norman won't really do anything next year. Even a guy like Cohen Carr, his minutes will be kind of in the dumps. So is that really the, is that really the worst thing in the world though? That you, now in 2024, you have an extra year of them. You, I, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I was just talking about this too with somebody else about Holloman. Would he transfer if everybody comes back? I think he actually comes back regardless. Because first off, I mean, I, I think this is how I feel about him. He has zero confidence on the floor. He played good defense. He hustles, which is, I mean, okay any other year he's not playing under Izzo in the history of Tom Izzo he's not playing as a freshman but if he can show me some confidence and a little bit of offense this year I think he comes back for his junior year because he knows that Hogar and Walker are gone after next year sophomore year though yeah but I I I think Holloman would still play at least in the start of the season over fears like at least the first couple months he would like, like how Foster had all those minutes that one year, like he's going to give yeah, the remaining, he's going to give the retaining player the minutes to start the year. And I think Holloman knows that, but I think Holloman knows his seat is super warm and he's got somebody very, 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 very good sitting behind him. And if he can't show any confidence on the floor, I'm ready to yank him for fears right away. But I do think he knows right away coming in the next year, he has minutes to start the season just off with the history of Tom Izzo. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I get, yeah, I do agree with you. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go either if Walker leaves. And I know it, it's a Michigan State freshman point guard. It's not a huge thing, especially because um, I didn't really talk about this much on the episode last time, but people, a lot of Michigan State fans don't realize, like, I don't think why we, we don't get so many five stars is one would think because we're such a high roaded program. I mean, one, it's because we've never paid our players the same that these other big schools do. And I'll admit that and I'll go to, I'll go to bat for that for any day, but it's also because offensively Izzo is very hands-on. It's intricate. You don't just get to, you don't just come in and understand there's a lot of sets we run. There's a lot of little rules that you have to follow. And if you don't follow them, you're not going to play. So a guy like fears, you're right. He's, even though I think he's going to be, he's my, my, he's the player I'm most excited for about the, the, from the class. I mean, I was a point guard too. So it excites me to see a point guard like him, but he's the one that's exciting. But again, he, even like AJ's, AJ's our best player. Next. I mean, I love Jaden. Jaden will be great for us, but AJ's our guy next year. He's got to, he's got to be the cog. He's going to be a senior at this point. He's played major minutes from the previous two years. He's going to be playing 33, 34 minutes a night. Um, I mean, even if he's only playing 30 minutes a night, there's only 10 more minutes to go around at the point guard spot. But another thing I wanted to get your opinion on um, is I've seen a lot of stuff on Michigan State basketball Twitter. Obviously, that that world goes down. Mm -hmm. That world gets down rabbit holes. Um, you know, Izzo's talked obviously a lot in the past about like how he doesn't like the transfer portal and stuff like that. And honestly, I'm, I kind of agree with him. I think football and basketball are a lot different. I think in football, you can kind of work the portal because football is just a different sport. I mean, theoretically, you can put a guy with size and, size and speed and athleticism out there and he'll find a way to make a difference. But in basketball, there's so much cohesion in it um, that I don't, I don't think necessarily just going to the portal and grabbing guys is the greatest thing. Um, but I wanted your opinion on what – I've seen a lot of people saying that they think we need a center next year. And I frankly completely disagree. I think a, a senior Madi who just only continues to get better is actually kind of a scary thing for some big 10 teams. Jackson and Carson are going to be sophomores with a year under their belt. And then you add Booker. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think the, the transfer portal for a center is as dire as Michigan state fans would put it? Because I would think actually the exact opposite. So I'm going to make the argument of this. I'm going to read you something. Uh, I'm, I found this on Twitter earlier, and I think it's essential right now to hit the transfer portal for one reason. I'm trying to find this. Give me one second, okay? Yeah, what, but what position? What position are they, are they you need to get a center. Okay. Because I'm looking at how many transfers um, are on each Final Four team right now, and every one of them has at least three transfers on the roster starting right now so the game is transfer now and it's closed the gap like it really has closed the gap in college basketball we're looking at the final four right now we have a team from the mountain west conference usa big east and acc and this wow. isn't a powerhouse acc duke or unc louisville powerhouse or virginia yeah. this is first time final four miami hurricanes that yeah. are on the map for the first time ever in college basketball you have your random year of UConn this year, which they should be the favorites going in. And then you have two intriguing mid-major schools that I think the computer's very heavily underestimated SDSU. I said it coming into the tournament. Uh -huh. I thought, and I was right about that. I thought they were going to get the, I thought they were going to keep it close with Bama. I didn't think they were going to win, but I, I think the computer's always 
thought SDSU was nothing all year. And then FAU, I didn't know much about. So, but clearly the computers, again, underestimated them because here they are in the final four. Yeah. I think what we're looking at right now is all these teams are hitting the portal. I mean, Kansas State hit the portal really hard and grabbed a bunch of dudes this year. And if you're not going to get with the game, I'm sorry, Izzo, but you're not getting your second one. You can build through the, the uh, recruiting. You can build the recruiting all you want. But when every team in the Final Four has multiple transfers in their rotation, playing big minutes on their team, and this is the first year I think the portal's becoming pretty apparent and we're starting to see changes in college basketball this year for the first time ever. Now, I think there's other factors, obviously, like having 25-year-olds playing in March Madness. That's another issue that you can discuss. But yeah. when everybody's going through the portal and you have a position at center that many people are questioning that is it good enough to get you a title next year? I don't think you necessarily have to bring in the best center on the portal. I, I don't think that's a smart thing to do at all. But what I would like to see, I would like to see a competent guy that can push Sissoko, a guy that would be able to push him in camp. And I think Kohler might be that guy too that can push him in camp. But I see Kohler playing more of a four than a five in the future of this program. I think you could probably agree with that too. I, you know, I don't think he's athletic enough to play the five in college basketball. And I don't think he's ever going to be that athletic to play it. But no. I think you have to get a guy to push Sissoko for a starting job. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I do, I do that. I think that's a good point. I think it part of me that doesn't necessarily maybe want to hit the transfer portals just because I'm kind of a Hover guy. I just love, I love state guys, uh, but obviously that, but then again, it brings up the question and this is, I'd be completely okay with it. I don't really see a problem with it, but you bring in a guy, one of those three is, is bumped out of the rotation completely. You know, the, again, there's only so many minutes. on the right. So you got to think, right. So Cooper, maybe then. Right. Uh, that's the guy I'm cutting out is Cooper. Okay. I'm like, yeah. okay. I don't think he was ready this year. I didn't think he was ready in March. I don't think he's going to be ready next year. I think he's a long-term project piece that I think wasn't ready to play right away. And I would like to see somebody sit behind Sissoko that I'm willing to give 15 minutes to and not worry about the guys plus minus being minus 15 by the time he's off the floor. Like he was. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, I, yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I definitely think it, it, it would help us in a lot of ways. I just, I'm not so sure Izzo's going to do it, you know. Um, he's obviously spoken about it quite frequently, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think, um, obviously, this basketball season's not over, so it's hard to start imagining the next one, but I just love Michigan State hoops, so it's hard for me not to think about the future, but I'm excited about it. It looks, I think one thing that um, going into this year, people were worried about that isn't really a worry anymore is, Everyone was kind of like, oh, well, is Izzo starting to kind of, you know, hit that quote unquote, that D'Antonio stretch, you know, where he kind of has just lost it. And he's not lost it in terms of can't coach anymore, but kind of just lost the motivation and the hype and everything. I think, I think this year kind of showed that he didn't. I mean, obviously we kind of thought that because of the recruiting class he got, but he had to show it on the floor as well. He had to show that he was ready and like he went to war with these guys. I mean, he didn't, he never had anything bad to say about them all year. Even games we were losing, a lot of games he blamed on himself, which I was pretty shocked at, to be honest. Right. He's never done that. He doesn't do that very often. Um, 
So that that really fired me up. It showed me that I, I would love to think he has at least five more years in him. Um, I mean, he's he's already, what, 66 or 67 years old. He's a lot older than he may look. But again, I don't want to get too hard, too far into the future because we got a lot of time. But we have the ability to easily be a top five, six. I mean, just a really quick rundown. You look at the teams next year. Edie comes back. You have Purdue's going to be really good. Us, Marquette gets all their guys back. Creighton gets a lot of their guys back probably. But it's funny because those that could be your top four in the preseason rankings next year is two Big Ten and two Big East teams. And Duke will be up there. Duke will be up there too because they're getting some of their – like Tyrese Proctor said today he's coming back. Um, but, you know, it'll be it'll be fun. But the one thing is about college basketball is as this year and this tournament is showing, um, it's proven. And, you know, I'm going to – you probably won't see this, but you can you can add him on this. I'm going to give a quick shout out to um, San Diego State point guard Darian Trammell. Um, that's a junior college guy. I played against him in junior college. He's from the West Coast. Um, ended up going to Seattle U, was recruited by Power Five. They said he wasn't big enough. So he goes to, uh, you know, San Diego State, who's technically a mid-major. But I think also, like you said, along with the transfer portal and, you know, guys being 25 years old this year because of COVID, I think you're just starting to see in college basketball something you're never going to really see in college football. And the parity, even 50, 60 teams down, like guys can play. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. I Like FAU, I mean, I know, again, they're probably never going to get back this far, but like John L. Davis is a hooper. The guy's from Gary, Indiana. He comes from a place where, you know, these guys just, it's not, it's not college basketball of old where, you have five or 10 teams and then maybe you have a few in the top 30 or 40 that could make a couple noise. You have multiple teams now all over the top 50 or 60 that are able to compete and can compete every night. And it's crazy because it's never been like this before. Like you got in the March, there's always, you know, you had that one Cinderella story every year. And you had mm-hmm. that one, you know, you had your Wichita State run, your Butler run, your VCU run, but you've never had like, to i'm not gonna say san diego state i'm not gonna go as far as say san diego state's cinderella story but i mean they're not a team that anybody picked to go to their final four i i don't think anybody in a sane mind would have picked them to go to the final four going in the march unless you went to san diego state i mean those are probably the only people that picked them to go to the final four and then you know you look at our age and who who in the right minds can you call a nine seed a cinderella run really Eh. I mean, these are Cinderella runs, but it seems like we never get two mid-majors in the final four in in the same year. And it's just nice. And it's nice to see like schools like Princeton and Fairleigh Dickinson, you know, 15, 16 seats come in there and make some noise. Something that's rarely gotten done in our lifetime. I mean, in the last five years, we've had two 16 seats beat a one. They were like, what, Owen, like over 160 or something like that before that. Yeah. Like, it's very clear, like the 15 seats every year seems like a 15 seat has won the last couple of years. Before the last couple of years, I mean, who were the 15 seats that were winning? It was that Florida Gulf Coast team. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah I, you had Lehigh that one year. But it, it was, was like, a lot. Yeah. And then you go back, it took like 15 years between a Steve Nash led Santa Clara team, who, again, that was in the 90s and it was Steve Nash. I mean, he right. ended up two time MVP. Like, you know, there wasn't. You're not getting any guys like that on any of these mid-major teams, but I think you made a, I think you made a good point. It's like, 
at this point, it's like, you know, there used to be one Cinderella. Like Jim Laranega's back to the Final Four after going with George Mason. That was a Cinderella mm-hmm. by definition. Everything about that was Cinderella. Now it's just like you look all over. I mean, we didn't have a single one seed make it, you know, that far. And it's just like not surprising really to me. I mean, no. not because those teams aren't talented. It's just because everyone's talented basketball is just an evolutionizing game I mean I say it not to get off topic but I say about the NBA too all the time not to like harp on old heads but I'm like guys you don't understand I get it the 90s like you can say what you want it was physical but like do you see what the players these days are doing like Steph Curry Damian Lillard Trey Young guys like this like they're they're shooting the ball from 40 feet guys are jumping from the free throw line I mean it's just ridiculous basketball is just on something that's why it's so exciting it's on such an upward trajectory especially at the college level i'm curious to hear about this because i want to talk about why you think the gap is closing and i want to talk about just the differences that you've seen between these mid-major the just the differences you've seen this year compared to previous years yeah i mean i can go into it real quick i think um i mean i think it kind of has to do with what i said about the trajectory i think Guys are just, everyone's, the one thing is everyone's athletic now is the biggest thing I would say is every team has a couple of guys that can jump out of the gym. So, I mean, obviously that helps. You didn't really have that in even like say the early 2000s. I mean, maybe in the, by the 2000s you did, but in the 80s and 90s and like the March Madness of what you think of old. Um, and honestly, it's a good question because I don't think there's a specific answer to it. I just think like I said, I think there's just a lot of guys that can, I don't know. I really, I don't know if I can put a specific, like my finger to it. Guys can just hoop now. And there's only so many spots on a team and so many minutes to go around on each team, you know, that, you know, you put like a guy like John, you start John L. Davis at Kansas. Like, yeah, he's probably not playing that very much, but again, dudes from Gary, Indiana were a place where players just, come out of guys can just play I mean and it's going to be super exciting it's not going to be exciting for people's brackets because unfortunately for people I don't think what we saw this year is going to be an anomaly anymore I think this is going to start to continue to happen we're going to see sixes and fours and eights and multiple of them in the tournament I mean what do we have this year we have a four two fives and a nine Mm -hmm. and I mean I don't know. It's, it's just, I think it's super exciting for college basketball because these guys, all of them can just play. I mean, the, the skill gap is just only continuing to decrease and decrease. I think what you're also starting to see now is coaching has always mattered at the college level, but it matters so much more now because scouting and matchups and how you play against people is just so important. Perfect. So I want to wrap this up because I don't want to keep holding you all night and we can go, we can go on all night too. So I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you for hopping on again. You did great. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I, and I will see you guys probably later in the week sometime just I'm working on a new scheduling for this because obviously basketball season's winding down and doesn't seem like many people care about the Tigers um when you have chris castellani do you see this today see castellani's tweet i mean when he's about done with them that should be a sign for all of you guys to be about done with them too because if there's anybody here that is in this city should be in the front lines of when they win the world series it's him 
And if he's done, everybody who's a season ticket holder should tell Chris Hill just shove that money up his ass. <laughs> I agree. I will see you guys later in the week.